Hello, sexy nerds of the Nerd Imperium. Welcome to this week's episode of the Currently Nerdy Podcast. We are your inner conclave of nerdum. My name is Diz, and I am your pop culture and sports nerd, Ali. I am Ali, your classic nerd. And I'm VM, your comic book nerd. Yo, man. It's hey. been um, a, a weird, weird little week here, man. Um, I think we're all saddened by the loss of Bernie Sanders' presidency. <laughs> I, t- I, I, I made it seem like we actually lost like yeah well we did we did lose um the the actor who played the uh the three-eyed raven yeah One game of thrones also played uh in in uh he played the knight playing chess against death oh in yeah the seventh uh, seal yeah that's that's one of those like criterion collection like yeah. greatest movies of all time he was also the exorcist yeah and uh, also was in The Force Awakens. Mm. Yeah, I remember him in The Force Awakens. He's um, he's like a German yeah. actor, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, I got a German. Find... I think is I forgot. I think he's sweet sw- from Sweden. I think? Uh, Max von Sydow. Sido. Sido. S y d o w. Yeah, he's a German. I'm just assuming those names sound German to me. Um, Swedish. But- Oh. Yeah, Swedish. Told you. Damn it, Ali. Why do you always have to be fucking right? He's really good. He's phenomenal. Oh, he was in Flash Gordon too. He was. He's he's been wow. in a bunch of. Uh, he's also one of those kind of brilliant actors that everywhere he pops up, you can't help but to like. I mean, yeah. like he was only in in The Force Awakens for like what three minutes mm-hmm. tops, yeah, yeah. and you love this character. She'll always be a princess to me, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> it's like. Very good, and uh, he's always he's always Three Eyed Raven, right? Like you really like Three Eyed Raven. It was the second Three Eyed Raven, right? Even if you know the later story arc doesn't make any sense, yeah. yeah. At the very least, early on, you're like, oh wow, this guy's really interesting. Yeah. So, I actually yeah. just realized he he played he was Ming the Merciless. Yeah, wasn't he? Like I thought he was the actual like villain of. I thought he yeah. was like maybe a no no side no no. Character. He was, he was Ming, actually the Ming the Merciless. Oh yeah, Flash oh. Gordon. Yeah. 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 Wow, it's crazy. That's a real the, orientalist look they gave him. There. Very orientalist. <laughs> yeah. Ming the, I mean, Ming the Merciless. Come on. Yeah. yeah. Like, you're just like, holy shit. Uh, it's definitely a different era. But yeah, for, for those of you that are listening or tuning in thousands of years from now, if, mm-hmm. even, if we still exist, or decades from now, uh, we're recording this while the Democratic primaries have been going on. And last week, we dedicated the entire episode to the Super, Super Tuesday. Super Tuesday. Uh, which didn't turn out to go the way the Sanders campaign had hoped for. They ended up losing in Texas. Uh, they lost in Maine, but they won in California. And they were really close, delegate-wise still. It wasn't as big of a blowout as some of the press had made it out to, but they were within shooting distance. But today was the kind of their last hurrah hope to to really kind of succeed. And, and they'll likely continue the primary for some time to be. There's a debate coming up on Sunday, which might turn around some of the narrative about the campaign. But in terms of the numbers, by losing Michigan today, now he, there was always going to be a chance that Missouri, Mississippi, etc., he was going to lose there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by losing Michigan, which he won in the primary against Clinton, very closely, very narrowly won, but still won, uh, the, his sort of delegate count is now blocked. The, the real path to victory to the Democratic nomination is is kind of gone so the question is what happened to this sanders campaign you know 
why didn't the revolution manifest itself? Who knows? But I think political commentators were going to be going to examining this for ages. What I'm not going to not looking forward to is a bunch of the smug morons who were wrong in 2016 come back around now and tell us why they were right. They weren't. Um, they're going to talk about, oh, you know, the Democratic voters know what they want, and oh, we're actually a centrist party, etc. It's going to be intolerable for the next few months, yeah, <laughs> let's yeah. just put it that way. Well, I'm not a election centrist. years in general are yeah. they're well, intolerable years. Yeah, like, in particular for American elections, because yeah. good God, are we uh, such have a, such a long election season. Yeah, yeah, it's not over in a few weeks. It lasts a long time, and yeah. it's stressful. And there needs to be some type of psych research on the levels of stress during yeah. <laughs> election season. But there's going to be people who are going to be examining. I think uh, when it push comes to shove, what we'll see is that this election was a test between uh, a change, a change election versus an anti-Trump election. And I think voters were scared about the idea of change. And so there was a lot of rallying around Joe Biden by the establishment, mainstream Democrats, centrists, etc., who were very eager just to see Trump go more than anything else. Yeah. Um, and who weren't particularly invested in the sort of change that Sanders was, uh, you know, arguing for. And Sanders's coalition, on the other hand, I think is really telling. Um, the people that that voted for Sanders are overwhelmingly Muslim, overwhelmingly Latino, and overwhelmingly young. Yeah. The three demographics most hurt by the Trump administration. Of course. Yeah. Right. The three who genuinely need, like this is we need to do something here. Um, but also th the three demographics that's hard to get them to vote. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's not that young voters don't want to vote. It's hard to vote if you have to go to work. And there's eight-hour lines or four-hour lines, you know. It's That's hard true. to vote if you're a Latino or Muslim. And no one's told you that the primary is coming up. You know, I had friends who were canvassing in, in Michigan, and the number one thing they all said was, like, everyone here wanted to vote Sanders. Everyone here wants to vote Sanders. But every time I say that, oh, by the way, the, the primary is tomorrow, they didn't know. Dude, yeah, it's terrible. Like, yeah. so... Luckily, like I live in a rich part of Orange County where there's yeah. like there's fucking there was three places for me to vote within a two minute drive of me, like literally I could have made a I could have turned left and voted at the fire station yeah. right next to my house. I could have gone to the to the library right there. Yeah, and my mom had like three different options too. Yeah, and it's like so like literally my voting process last week took me five minutes. It was all right. Park, go inside. It took for whatever reason it took the lady to, like a little longer to find me, but I or else I would have been done in two minutes. But like it just took her like a minute or two to like find like my name in the registrar, mm. and then there was no wait. I was it was me and one other person in there, and like we got in and out like it was that quick. And I was seeing like pictures and stuff. Like one of my friends lives in uh, in L.A. in the Valley, right? Um, he was out for four hours in a in a line right oh, jesus yeah yeah and this is one of my non like he's he this is the first time for him ever voting like you know so like this is his first experience with voting and in the primary it took him four hours to vote up in uh in in west hills la like which isn't like a bad area per se like it's not like it, it's not as affluent as orange county but it's still like you would think that like they would have more polling places there, but it's a it's a 
there's a lot of Latino uh, communities there, Latinx communities there. So maybe that's why there wasn't as many like polling places as there were in rich white Orange County. Mm. At the same time that we've got this travesty going on, the end of of the Sanders campaign, even though he has he hasn't conceded or or, or left the race in any way, shape, or form. For those of us that are pragmatists, like yeah, it's over, right? Yeah. Um, and the cynic in me and the skeptic in me is like, yeah, I knew this was coming. Yeah. But there's also at the same time we're all gonna die. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got, the, and the one chance we have to maybe not die is just kind of slipping through our fingers. So we've briefly mentioned the coronavirus on this podcast before. We, you know, I repeated my mantra or motto, motto wash your hands and don't be racist, right? Like that's yep. big believer. That's the way forward. But we've now reached this point as several weeks after our kind of initial discussion of coronavirus where it's become a very serious threat in the United States. It was already a threat in China and they were working, you know, using very authoritarian measures to quarantine and deal with it. Um, from there, it spread into uh, uh, the West Coast, Northern California in particular, a lot of places. And then now in the East Coast, places in Arizona and in Texas, um, Italy has been entirely quarantined. They've shut down. They've shut down Italy. Uh, someone actually tweeted out an image of them uh, in the Colosseum, and it was just empty. So uh, that's kind of remarkable. It's there in uh, England, some cases in Iran, uh, namely amongst the government. Uh, so it's it's become a a weird. They've kind put of, in- They've quarantined not, Mecca. Yeah, they've quarantined Mecca. We're at this place where like it's not yet a pandemic, but it's getting there. And the March was the month in which it officially became deadlier than the flu. Not in the sense that it has killed more people than the flu, but the rate, the fatality rate, is now marginally higher than the flu. The flu is about like something like one percent roughly. Yeah. Um and the coronavirus is now three to four percent. Yeah. You know so it's a little bit deadlier. So <laughs> Right before we were pod- like started podcasting, I was getting a, a text from my roommate. Mm. Um, I guess he was talking to my mom earlier today because like she's got like a lot of events planned, and um, she's one of the people like if they you know she happens to contract coronavirus, she's one of the people that are at risk mm-hmm. because you know she's older, she has diabetes, this and that, and that, those are the people that it affects the most, right? Yeah. So like people our age, you know, like. Yeah. realistically if we get coronavirus like it's gonna suck we'll probably be quarantined mm. but it'll well i'm already self-quarantined yeah but like i've been preparing for this my whole life <laughs> like realistically like for us the the shittier part is gonna be the quarantine right you know like not necessarily like the sickness because like whatever it'll just be like mm. flu-like sick- symptoms for us and like we've all had the flu before you know so like yeah it sucks but it's not like something that we haven't handled in the past but um like my mom wouldn't take him serious. Like it was funny. Like he he tried calling me. He's like, dude. Like I was trying to talk to her about like how she, you know like it's more dangerous for her than it is for like other people, and that like maybe she shouldn't be like out and going to like random people's weddings and like throwing these like concerts. Wait, and is stuff. this a mirror? Yeah. Oh, he said roommate, and it took me a minute. I'm like, who the fuck is his room? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it took a second to connect that you met a mirror. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I missed that guy. Dude. Jackass hasn't said a word to me in ages. <laughs> no, but it was funny, man. Like, um, I, he's like, she's like, she didn't take me serious at all. And I'm like, bro, man, my mom thinks she has the power of prayer behind her. So she's oh my gonna... god. <laughs> oh, well, here's the, the that's part of the issue. Is like, so uh, for my friends in England and, and other places are commenting on the fact that 
it's not that the coronavirus is like like coronavirus is a threat everywhere mm-hmm. but it's a unique threat in america because americans are fucking dumb uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's so bad. I saw with my own eyes people on the, they were being interviewed and like I don't believe the coronavirus is real. I don't believe anything the Democrats say. And like the news is like this isn't a Democrat thing. Everyone says the coronavirus is real. It's like no, I don't believe it. People genuinely believe it's not a real thing. Yeah, in yeah. Uh, in in Missouri, what ended up happening is uh, a person contracted. The coronavirus, or at least they've been they've been in contact, right? And they uh-huh. were told that they needed to quarantine. This motherfucker broke quarantine to go to a father daughter dance, like a rich dude. <laughs> and his wife broke quarantine to go grocery shopping and get her nails done. Oh, okay, yeah, because that's that's uh, not leaving fucking. Yeah, so like this is the issue with Americans. It's like it's not just that we're gonna contract the coronavirus; is that we are kind of remarkably like as a society. Bro, whereas like the people, every other country is like, all right, let's band together and let's, you know, we'll yeah, figure yeah. this out together. And Americans are like, fuck no, no, Seriously. I don't believe in the coronavirus, but I know that the toilet paper is down thirty right. percent or some shit. So I'm gonna buy bulk, dude. That it's like insane. Like, so the Costco by my house and the Costco by my work, they have a limit of two toilet paper rolls per customer and two like cases of water per customer, like. People are going in there at like nine in the morning when Costco opens and they're fighting over fucking toilet paper and water. Oh, my God. I don't I don't understand, Diz. I don't get it. Help me here. Help me. Because like I I don't. Okay, number one. All right. I understand. You know, you need toilet paper. We all do. Right. Yeah. Uh, We all need soap. Everybody. Right. Now. Now, the thing is, though, you know, when I realized that there was a thing going on. It just so happens that I already had enough toilet paper and soap in my house to last me for the past couple of weeks. What I'm trying to figure out is, you know, before people learn that washing their hands and using toilet paper is important, what the hell were they doing before this? Well, we apparently found out that that a lot of people don't actually wash their hands, which is right? kind of alarming. Someone was talking yeah. about the other day that uh, they only wash their hands when they use the toilet in public. They don't actually wash their hands when they use the toilet at home. That's weird nasty bastards. That's one of the most disgusting things I've ever heard. And there's other people who are like, oh, I don't really wash my hands. It's like, as a, like everyone knows I'm a minor germ phobe. Yeah. Um, not like a full-on one. Like, like it doesn't stop me from shaking hands. It doesn't stop me from others. But it's like, it's one of those things where like, I'm now going to be a full-on germ phobe hearing the shit that I've heard. Because mm. it's alarming to me that these people don't wash their hands. That there's no concept of 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 hygiene and health. It's like, good God, we're we're not just in an epidemic. We're in a public health crisis, and it has nothing to do with coronavirus. It has nothing to do with people not washing their hands. Yeah, there is a certain level of stupidity that uh, is really coming through here. I think one of the issues here is that we're trying to teach people about politics. And about hand washing at the same time, and their brains can't seem to uh, figure Apparently it out. Apparently not. Apparently yeah. they can't figure it out. And then at the same time that you have your, you know, the coronavirus has unveiled and revealed the ugly underbelly of hygiene in America. Yeah, yeah, nasty uh, bastards. You, we've also seen that, you know, the the real threat here is not necessarily the virus itself, which is deadly, but the incompetence of our administration. Right. So like we are facing a real threat and it took several weeks before the Trump administration really made any moves on it. Firstly, they failed to follow the CDC's guideline when they were bringing people back home 
from these various uh, tourists things that they were on they flew them back on an airplane and they didn't quarantine them this was against the recommendations of the cdc who were like yeah don't do that don't put those people on an airplane that's a stupid move you're going to get everyone sick and it ended up that's exactly what happened um and then finally once it became to the point where like oh shit people are actually contracting the virus then they started to move but they moved extraordinarily slow dismissing and minimizing the actual damage um they failed to accept the world health organization's testing kit they refused to accept it and instead of going with this private company which interestingly enough trump has uh stock in uh this german company that they end up going with them rather than doing the world health organization and then the testing kits aren't enough to cover what's needed at the hospitals so there are places where nurses and doctors are going we don't even have testing kits right now they, do, they haven't arrived. And so what, what's, what we're seeing is that a bad situation is being exacerbated by incompetence. And that incompetence is particularly ironic at some points because the, some Republicans denied that it was even a threat. So Matt Gaze down, down in um, Matt Gates down in fucking Florida the Paul Gosser or whatever his name is in Arizona, the one whose own family uh, Oh, yeah, all six of his him. brothers and sisters. Like, yeah. yeah, so what's interesting is that they all went to C- uh, CPAC uh, over the week, and CPAC is this big conservative convention, and apparently someone with the coronavirus was there and end up shaking hands with a bunch of people. And so now Matt Gaze and Paul Grosser and Ted Cruz are all on in quarantine. <laughs> it's like there is a certain weird poetic justice and irony to this that the people who are like oh it's not really a threat now are in quarantine um which is kind of fantastic but we're now in this era where it's like schools are genuinely shutting down so what's happening is that individual corporations individual businesses and individual institutions like universities are taking far more precautionary measures than our government is yeah, right? it's true. I mean, we've seen it now, especially like, uh, I mean, I was supposed to go to Emerald City Comic Con this weekend yeah. in uh, Seattle. Canceled, yeah. Canceled, right? Yeah, because well, uh, Northern California and Seattle, that, that Pacific Northwest is a... Yeah. A, yeah. I mean, that got postponed. I think South by Southwest also has yeah. got, got canceled. Coachella is, is being yeah. moved. Oh, yeah. Like, so there is... Um, and it's weird because you would think that there would be something federal that'd be like, you need to move these events, but they're all moved... like. They're all understanding that this is bigger than the bullshit, right? And they're doing it themselves. Like, it's not like they're being forced yeah. to postpone these things. No, you know, uh, it's, it's ridiculous, though. It's like, how is it that this administration is able to kind of let this go? And they put fucking crazy-ass Mike Pence in charge of it. Oh, yeah. sit there and try to pray the gay away or whatever Which is it worse is, right? because like, what's particularly alarming about is because I have colleagues that are historians of, of HIV and AIDS. And Mike Pence is one of the people who made HIV absolutely worse in his in his state in indiana yeah yeah in indiana he was he's part of the reason why that that epidemic became as horrible as it did in indiana because of the measures he took the failure to respond and there are some from colleagues who are like old from the gay community who's a little bit older and they go uh government failing to respond to a real epidemic hmm surprise surprise right <laughs> I like imagine yeah. that and it's one of those things where like oh shit you know Sometimes history doesn't repeat itself, but it sure as hell fucking rhymes, right? Like, uh-huh. there is definitely some serious alarming qualities. And at the same time, we're now dealing with... I mean, one of the things that the coronavirus has done is it's really revealed, like, far more than killing people, it's revealed the really fucking brokenness of the system. 
right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, on one end, you're like, you see the government failing to respond. Two, you see the level of racism fucking rearing his ugly head. Three, you see how fragile our economy is in which, like, just the fear of the coronavirus has literally tanked stocks and Bitcoin. Like, it just tanked them. But then you're also in this moment where it's like, if you need to get tested for the coronavirus, it costs three to four thousand dollars. God damn. That's the testing for it. Like at a, at a time when we have a major presidential candidate running on Medicare for all and people going, eh, I'll take it. I'll take a chance elsewhere. Yeah. It's kind of one of those moments where you're like, wow, our system is fucking broken. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think we've all had we all probably had our own horror stories with Americans medical the american medical system ourselves oh God, probably I swear. yeah more so than others you know. yeah, yeah. Bro, so yeah. at work they have a they have this thing for like the top performers called president's cabinet where like the top 1% of the company wins like a trip oh the um, brown nosers awards <laughs> no yeah these are the people that like have, have had like the most sales for the company and um, uh, i have yeah, like okay. i have three like like former coworkers who won it right this year um and they were supposed to go to st moritz switzerland um Oh shit! Yeah, they were supposed wow, to go. That's huge. Yeah, they were supposed to go this week to Saint Moritz, Switzerland, um, but they got like an email about a week ago, uh, and the company's like, "Hey, you know, due to the coronavirus, like we're gonna cancel the trip to make it up for you guys. We're gonna give you five extra vacation days, a uh, fifteen hundred dollar voucher per ticket, right? So like they have a trip voucher for fifteen hundred dollars per because t- they had two tickets because uh, they got a plus one for it, um, uh-huh. and then on top of that." They're giving them a fucking fifteen thousand dollar cash prize, like after taxes. So, my friends. Everyone gets fifteen thousand dollars. No, the people that won it. Oh, okay. So instead of going on that trip and like getting all that recognition and all like the free stuff that they would got there and the free trip and like all that, they're giving them a fifteen thousand dollar cash prize. And I'm like, damn, bro, I'd I'd much rather have that than the fucking trip to Switzerland, to be honest with you. Because they're giving them three grand basically to go on a, any trip that they want, and then they're giving them fifteen thousand dollars on top of that. So yeah, see, now that it really depends on on your you know on what you do when you're there, Diz. Now, if you're gonna go and try to find lost Nazi gold in Switzerland, <laughs> you know, like it would be a much better trip, and it would be on someone else's dime. But you don't think of the bigger picture, do you? Diz? I guess, man. But dude, they're um so like they're implementing our, a, a lot of new rules for us now. So um, they're limiting our overtime. Right. Uh, so like because of the coronavirus. Yeah. So they're limiting overtime because it's like the more interact- they found a way to pay you less because yeah. of the coronavirus. <laughs> I was just about right. to say that. Yeah, wow. But like overtime for not like if you're already there, but like limiting overtime with things like work meetings and stuff like that. That's where they're limiting overtime. So like the the tedious stuff. Right. So there's no more like district meetings and like store meetings. They got rid of those. So it's like, you know, for until the freaking epidemic has has gotten better how much uh, you want to bet that that doesn't come back bro i don't care man i'd rather fucking sleep in than go to a meeting at like seven in the morning okay leave me like this is better for me i'd i'll i'll take the sleep over the 40 dollars for the two hours for of being in that meeting I'll, I'll, i remember a moment in which uh this this remind your story reminds me of back when i was working for a similar company we'll say mm-hmm. <laughs> many many years back when i was young and i had a full head of hair and yeah, uh, it was a full there was this was during a heat wave uh-huh. uh that had hit southern california you guys can probably you'll probably remember this heat wave 
where it was so bad that it was shutting down the electricity. Oh, oh yeah. the, the brownouts in the California. Brownouts. Yeah. So oh, it yeah. shut down the electricity in a bunch of stores and oh, so there seven, was oh, air eight, conditioning. Yeah. And it was so bad that the district manager at the time, uh, who will remain nameless, but his name is Phil, uh, and <laughs> he, Phil came in and he's like, look guys, I want you guys to be safe, so please take off your ties, unbutton your uh, top button, roll up your sleeves, you're, you're also allowed uh, to bring water now onto the floor. I know in the past we said no, but now you can bring it onto the floor, because I want you guys to be safe. And there were people there like, man... I love working for this guy. He really cares about his employees. And I'm like, motherfucker, if he cared about his employees, he'd close the store and send us all home right. rather oh, really? than say, finish your eight-hour shift in this non-air-conditioned piece of shit. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so It's one of those things where like, corporations know how to give enough concessions but without ever actually doing anything yeah. to harm themselves. So it's like, oh, yeah, please, please don't don't work overtime. Yo, please. no, but but like for real, for real, it's been bad for business. Like. People oh, yeah, aren't yeah. people aren't coming into the stores, you know. Like, good look, man. If this cripples yeah. a couple industries, great. It's crippling my paycheck, bro. <laughs> I'm a, right. I'm a, I'm a, you I'm shouldn't a, be on commission. That's I'm a commission-based employee. Look, if the coronavirus, the coronavirus may bring about socialism faster than any election will. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I love yeah. you, Sanders, but like the coronavirus may have. I mean, uh, to be honest, if I was Sanders right now, what I would be running is like it costs four thousand dollars for you to get tested on Corona under Medicare for all. It'd be free. <laughs> He's too nice to do that. I would totally do that yeah. because the reality is that. If the coronavirus doesn't bring about socialism in America, nothing will. Right. That's true, it's going to yeah. kill industries. The poor people are going to... When, when's white people run out of toilet paper? Mm, Especially yeah. while Melania Trump is building a fucking tennis court in the White House. Oh, if we don't have a French Revolution-style uprising... Then America's doomed. Yeah, and you you know you really can't Joe McCarthy coronavirus. You so can't. Like, yeah, yeah, there's can't. not there's not a whole lot you can do on that front either. Yeah, once that's the reality. Once the risks are real. Yeah, I mean, once <laughs> the risks are real in terms of running out of toilet paper. That's the reality. The, uh, like, look, yeah. American. That's the only time. It's like when they run out of toilet paper. Yeah, you know, and that's I mean, rule. I don't understand this because like. I don't understand the, the, the big lifestyle change of making sure that you're clean. You know, like, wash your ass. What's uh-huh. your problem? Like, Oh, my God. Maybe the coronavirus will convince white people to wash their ass. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that people in Southeast Asia, South Asia, the Middle East, have been doing for millennia. Like, yeah. I mean, I had Filipino friends who caught a whole bunch of shit for having that tabo or whatever it is in, like, their bathroom. It's that bucket with, like, the... The spoon in it. Yeah. It's meant to clean you, right? Yeah. They get caught all sorts of shit for that, you know, having that in their house, even though they don't use it. It's just a traditional thing that Filipinos have, right? Caught all sorts of shit from my friends who didn't understand what it was, right? Now who's laughing, huh? You're sitting in Costco waiting in line like it's t- like you're trying to vote, you know, for toilet paper. And all the Filipino people and people who understood that there are other ways of cleaning yourself, you know, are laughing. They're laughing at you, you <laughs> dirty bastards. <laughs> nah, man. Um, it's also, I'm not gonna lie. There's been so much racism because of this coronavirus. Like, oh, you're telling me, that? Diz. Okay, now I kind of know how you guys feel. <laughs> oh, thank you. Okay, yeah. Welcome to it's, our world. But this is okay. So here's what some an academic of mine said something really interesting. B. I thought you'd find this fascinating. Okay. We've talked about how Asians are considered the model minority. Right, it's like the type of racism they face is often far more subtle than black and brown people face. Right, 
Absolutely. And we should say, when we say Asian, we say East Asian. Not usually Pacific Islanders or Southeast Asians who are often also considered brown. Yeah. Plenty of, for example, Filipino people are considered Mexican. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Right? By white, yeah. by white Americans. Uh-huh. So let's, let's note that. But East Asians are often considered model minorities or what uh, academics refer to uh, in the sort of triangulation of race um, as honorary whites. Absolutely. Right? De Silva talks about this as a sociologist in Duke talks about honorary whites, right? But how the honorary white status is so easily revoked at the first moment of crisis. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? It's like, oh, yeah, look at the Asians. They're not uppity like you blacks, quote unquote, right? Yeah. We see that. Now, coronavirus happens in, people are sitting there like, oh, my God, there's an Asian on this bus. Does that mean I'm going? To? Like, it's one of those things like we are really dealing with the fact that at the drop of a hat, people are going to be racist. Oh, yeah. You guys are pigs. Not you guys specifically. I just mean the yeah, general, general population. We, I mean, we're pigs yeah. too, but. Yeah. But I mean, like, it's the, uh, there's a, I think I talked to you guys about this before. I don't know if we mentioned the other, but there's a Paul Mooney, he gets the, the N-word wake-up call. Uh-huh. Everyone gets the N-word wake-up call, right? Oprah got the N-word wake-up call, which she wasn't allowed in the store a long time ago, right? But we all end up getting that minority wake-up call. We realize that despite how much we're okay with the whites, there's going to be a point where they're not going to be okay with us. Yeah. Right. That's the whole Paul Mooney thing. And I have to tell you, man, you know, like I, uh, you know, I, I, I make, I kind of, I get ahead of the joke, right. I make fun of myself being Asian all the time. Yeah. Coronavirus is, it is, it's, I'm just, it's, I'm going to have to deal with it one way or another. So I try to get ahead of that stuff. Yeah. Sometimes all you can do is laugh. Right. Yeah. And you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's all like, I'm not being shot because of the coronavirus by, by police officers, right? Like, there's not, it's not nearly as serious in terms of me, for me anyway, um, you know, compared to a lot of the other racism or prejudices that we see from the system that, you know, end people's lives. So, you know, like, it's not, you know, I'll take it for what it is. It sucks, but I'm not going to be upset about it that much, right? Now, what I think is amazing is that I found that, you know, I... I have to tell you guys, like, honestly, from a culture point of view, right? You know, I'm not the best Vietnamese guy, right? Don't really speak the language. I understand it only because my parents would yell at me in Vietnamese when they were mad. Mm-hmm. So I only I only understand angry words. and I understand orders and commands. <laughs> you right? sound like me 15 years ago when I didn't understand Farsi. So I'm almost <laughs> like, yeah, it's a weird thing where it's also like, you know, I have a weird. I, I always felt like if I were ended up in the in the weird fetish community. You know, I ended up being like, you know, the uh, a slave to like some Vietnamese mistress. Right. Because it's the only I would only understand those words like in a forceful tone. Mm-hmm. But that's besides the point. Um, you know, Vietnam has really man like it's a really great country. I have to tell you, you know, uh, not only did we uh, we apparently beat back the colonizers in uh, in the 70s, you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, he's just fucking and get us like banned on like Vietnamese memorial like websites and shit. I mean, he, I mean, uh, in fairness, he's right. <laughs> As the only qualified person on this podcast, you know, history PhD. Yeah, he's right. <laughs> I mean, Vietnam has done a lot of great things, you know. What I else mean, would you call them? Yeah, you know, the colonizers. Yeah, beat the beat back the colonizers in the seventies. Um, they've, uh, you know, obviously they're not perfect, you know. I mean, I'm a result of Vietnam, which isn't great on anyone's behalf. Um, and also, you know, they've, uh, as a result of this uh, coronavirus here, right? They've, uh, they've actually created 
a, uh, a there was a Vietnamese like song that went viral, right? And I got to tell you, have you guys I heard? I love that. Is that are you being serious right now? Yeah, no, I am completely serious. It's it's a you know I'm gonna I'm gonna spl- I'm gonna splice it into the podcast. So we're gonna hear a little thing later. But does like, it have a dance that goes with it? It does. Okay. It absolutely all right. does. All right. Okay, break it down for our listeners first before we we splice. Okay, I have to tell you, like, all right, so I'm I this dance. Right, like it started. It's it's just a commercial talking about people need to wash their hands and shit, right? But they did it in like such like a modern, like pop way that it it just got it caught on, right? And uh, guys, it got featured on like last week tonight by John Oliver, right? And people on the internet like were like talking about how the song was so good that like this uh, uh, Vietnamese, uh, like this Vietnamese uh, guy named uh, Quang Dang made a dance to it. him and his like friend made a dance to it on TikTok, and it like went viral right and it it became this thing now where like the dance is literally them like washing their hands and dabbing and shit right so i mean uh, have you uh, you guys need to hear it because i can't really explain to you the context of how good this song is oh, because I, I fucking love that i downloaded the mp3 and it's actually number one on my playlist along with justin bieber yummy right now <laughs> and <laughs> I, I don't know, uh, like... I, I had a sneaking suspicion that Justin Bieber would be there. Yeah, and I realized, too, that there's another thing about that Justin Bieber song right now. I'm not a big fan of the Bieber myself, like the Bieber, but, like, you know... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Ali caught that. No, you know, no, I don't Say think he did again? either, right? Say again? Hold on, for, for us boomers. I, want, I, wanted to, I wanted to see if he was going to say anything. Uh, I said I'm not a fan of the Beaver. Like you know, I'm, did uh, you not get that? Okay, I, got, I get it. <laughs> yeah, okay. It took a se- it takes a yeah. second. Uh, <laughs> Damn, uh, the Beaver's got, not a fan got, of you either. Yeah, yeah, he got he got there eventually. Um, I got there. It took him yeah. a bit. We, All right, so you guys haven't heard the song, right? So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna listen to the song right now. I'm just gonna be like a 10 second clip, right? <laughs> All right, so that was the song, guys, and it was pretty amazing, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed it. Yes, of course. Now, you know, like we, we I don't think we, there's not much that we have to share about the coronavirus other than the fact that it's uh, it's it's spreading, uh, just like a lot of these TikTok dances are, right? Where, it's, I mean, they're, they're they're you know they're they're getting super viral, they're going all over the place, and then people are ultimately sharing it the same way, where through yeah. these uh, social media platforms. Now this is what I find interesting though is like I, when I was looking up this uh, this song and watching I was actually watching these a lot of these TikTok dances right and you know a lot of them are kind of cringe and stupid right but a lot of them ended up having this amazing choreography and you know really talented people are actually on here creating these amazing dances. I'm not sure if I would call it overly talented. Yeah, and honest. some of them are Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, I mean, uh, most of them aren't, right? But there are, like, some really accomplished dancers on here. And there is a lot of people who do some really great things with it, right? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's, like, um, a thousands and thousands of people who just basically steal all that shit. Now, I, I kind of went in that TikTok hole, which I never thought I would do. Wait, and I kind of... What? Do you have a TikTok? I don't. No, I was on my friend's phone. Uh, you were yeah, lying. and I was watching the compilation. We almost caught him slipping. Yeah, yeah. We almost caught him slipping. I know. <laughs> Caught me slip. Apparently caught me slipping. I don't know what that means. You know, that's like an old. That's like from Sub Zero from Mortal Kombat Two. He does that move where he shoots the puddle on the ground. Um, <laughs> nice reference from. I know, right? Yeah, I went, yeah. 
That's right. I went back. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know what's crazy? It's like I I was looking up some other some other dances that gotten popular because there's dances that I see, you know, now that uh, I didn't realize started in TikTok mm-hmm. that are you know in music videos and everything else, but they started kind of on these platforms. And I kind of came across this one recently called the Renegade Dance. Have you heard of that one before? Mm-hmm. That's the one it's that was, everywhere. Yeah, that was the one yeah. that was in the halftime show for the All Star Game, right? Yeah, yeah, it's huge, right? Now, what's crazy about that though is that like there's a there's a couple articles on on the Renegade Dance, and I guess it was created by this like 14 year old girl named uh, I think it's Jaliah Harmon. Yeah, it was, the Renegade is stolen. Yeah, you know, and it was yeah, it was like it was it started it, it was her dance, and you know this girl from Georgia, this African American girl from Georgia, and you know, people it largely kind of went unnoticed that she was the one that created it, which was crazy because. She originally posted on Instagram, and they got popular through someone else uh, on TikTok. Yeah, that was crazy. Those that, girls, the I forgot their last names, but they I remember I know I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Now it's like, th- what's crazy about this is that you know, uh, this became a thing where you know a lot of people on Twitter were kind of talking about how you know it you got black creators who end up get not getting the credit. And then you have ultimately who end up being kind of what people consider aesthetically more pleasing on TikTok, making these things popular, even though they didn't create the content. They simply kind of regurgitated it. Right. And because they're more popular, because they have, uh, you know, more uh, more influence that they're the ones that ultimately reap the benefits off of these black created dance moves. Yeah. Well, a lot of uh, TikTok's top, you know, performers as a result of the algorithm and whatnot are all kind of the same white upper middle class they look kind of the same they all yeah. have the similar like similar beauty standards yeah i mean tiktok often replicates most social media often replicates the sort of worst you know racial hierarchies that we've got yeah but what i really wanted to kind of bring into which is kind of the important part for me is that you know i didn't realize that tiktok isn't the only platform in which this functions happen right but TikTok being the largest platform is the reason why these things get popular. So, like, a lot of these these young black creators, um, you know, they, they use smaller apps like Dub Smash and Funimate and a couple other ones, right? And those are what people kind of consider to be kind of the roots of, like, of these, like, cultural movements. And then TikTok being kind of the mainstream, like, communication from, from like, where these come from and to, to the rest of the public. So, you know you have people who are creating these these this content on a smaller platform and then it, it being taken by people on TikTok and then being taken advantage of and then being exploited because they're the ones that make any of the profit off of it from so TikTok's making profit from a smaller platform just the same way as big users on TikTok yeah. are taking from smaller users in order to profit and it's like the nature of kind of like how sharing and plagiarism works in a platform like this like how do you know, how is it like what is the morality behind, you know, uh, people who are blatantly plagiarized on the Internet and see success out of it uh, versus like, say, plagiarism of like a book or something that's a little bit that's, you know, that's more, I guess, yeah. recordable. Well, I think right? that's the issue is that these new platforms have raised a series of questions. You know, obviously one that we've covered is the privacy question, right, uh, where where 
where does privacy exist in these apps? But the other question that it raises is intellectual property rights. Yeah. You know, it, there is a serious concern here. Uh, we talk about, and sometimes it's not taken seriously, tweets, right? So, like, the tweets that go viral are almost always stolen. Yeah. Right? They come up every few, you know, weeks or so, every few months. It's the same tweet. Um, and people sometimes comment, like, oh, I've seen this before. I've seen this before. And there's memes about it. Um, but sometimes they become really, really popular, like hundreds of thousands of retweets for a made-up scenario that someone else had tweeted months earlier. Mm -hmm. And on one level, you go, okay, well, they're just tweets, but, I mean, it is still copying. Yeah, right? yeah. And sure, social media, no, I don't take social media seriously, and I guess it looks like most people don't, but what happens if that, like, I mean, that people, there are they use Twitter for work. Yeah. They use Twitter for professional outreach. So what happens if someone who's doing professional outreach steals a tweet? Yeah, so yeah. So it's a, like these are the questions that it raises, and then you know we see it in Instagram, we see it in uh, uh, TikTok, the copying. Now TikTok in particular seems weirdly geared towards this because it's trend oriented. Yeah. Right. So like the renegade is a trend. Uh, and then there's other trends, like various things that you, like everyone will do over and over again. So, like you flip the your, switch, flip the switch, the for you page, and it's like literally the same fucking song over and over again. And on one end, that helps out the content creator. This is how small musicians suddenly get their songs to go number one on Spotify, etc., and Apple, whatever, right? Uh -huh. But on the other end, it's like someone's someone is being ripped off there. True. Yeah. Someone is being ripped off, and no one is willing to acknowledge that. That there is an exploitative relationship here, and other people will go, hey, that's the price you signed up for. You put something on TikTok, you don't own it. That's the thing that we often don't realize, is that the actual owners are the social media companies themselves. This sure. is on Facebook, Instagram, etc. I don't know what TikTok's policy is, but Instagram owns your photos. This is true. Facebook owns your photos. Yeah, so if they want to like so market it, they can. If you put your song on TikTok, does TikTok own your song? If you put your dance on TikTok, does TikTok own your dance? We we enter into some kind of weird territory. And I remember a few months back, someone tried to sue Fortnite, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, but a couple people did. Yeah. A couple people for stealing their, their dance, and it their turned dances, out yeah. against them, uh, apparently. So we're in a weird place where we're still figuring out, and the law definitely has not caught up with it. No, they need to do the whole Disney thing and just like fucking sue anyone that like even remotely <laughs> looks like they're taking something from Disney, right? Like, yeah, Disney is consolidating the shit out of everything, bro. Like they fucking sued um, what's his face, uh, Dead Mouse, the the DJ who wears like that mouse outfit, right? Like they sued him because they said it was too close to like what Mickey Mouse looks like. Um, so that shit is nuts, man. They they're they they'll sue anyone that even remotely. Make something that looks like Mickey Mouse or anything like that. Yeah, that's they're what, pretty hardcore. Yeah, that's what. Um, I mean, and I think in turn also Marvel is yeah. uh, also yeah. really litigious now too. Yeah, you know. Well, we're entering into this weird phase. I mean, in in reality, what, what what Marvel literally calls Phase Four is the narrative arc, right? So, like, but we're also entering in our own way sociologically in a different phase because Marvel started out very tentative, right? Mm -hmm slowly putting out some movies out there and yeah Disney was really involved but now as the years have gone by it's consolidated more and more into like a massive powerful corporation that controls everything so just think a few years back when you thought TV Marvel where did you what did you think 
Cartoons? Yeah. Cartoons. X-Men, Where did you Spider-Man. find most of the Marvel TV shows? Fox. Just two years ago. Oh, uh, Netflix, no? Netflix, right? Yeah, yeah, Netflix yeah. or on TV, elsewhere. Now, when you think a Marvel TV show, where do you got to go? Disney Plus. Disney Plus. Plus. So now we're going to that place where it's like Disney's going to now control both the content and the medium that it's produced. Yeah. I mean, it's like, what does that do? So like Disney's putting out Loki on Disney Plus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is huge because it's going to be like the first major phase four story arc that's going to be on Disney Plus. But the question is, what does... Low-key on Disney+, Plus. what effect will that have on Thor, Love, and Thunder in the cinematic screen? Yeah. Do you have to watch Loki on Disney+, Plus to understand some of the stuff that'll happen in Love and Thunder? Like, what are they? How are they going to pull these threads together? One of the things we saw is that when Marvel was on Netflix or on TV elsewhere, that they could kind of do their own thing. And they would tie into the movies, but they had a lot of freedom. Yeah. And you didn't have to follow the TV show to know what was going on uh, in the cinematic universe. And you didn't have to watch the movies to know what was going on in the TV show. No, there, I mean, there was some Easter eggs, I guess. In like yeah, Captain there's America. Easter eggs, there's overlap, but they weren't yeah. tightly woven no, no, together no, no. is the point. That's true, uh, But, yeah. I mean, let's let's look at it this way, right? Like, did the Mandalorian have anything to do with um, the, what was it, the last, the Rise of the Jedi uh, which was the last? What? The Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, but Sorry. Mandalorian and they're different timelines entirely. Yeah. And yeah. when they were released, are, are very different, right? So Mandalorian came right, right when Rise of Skywalker was already over. Yeah. You couldn't. It wouldn't have in, impacted story arc. But here's the thing. No, it came out before Rise Rise of Skywalker. It did, but after uh, the production was over. Yeah, it was like concurrent, but yeah. So there's no there's no way that they could overlap, mm. logistically speaking. Maybe. There's no way that it could one could impact the other, yeah. right? Well, Sky, Rise of Skywalker can. But here's the thing. It seems like Mandalorian is developing a story arc that is going to impact the wider Star Wars universe. True. It looks it's like- not only filling in the gap between uh, a certain time period, but whatever's going to happen to that Baby Yoda thing, uh-huh. right, yeah. is likely going to have an impact on things like uh, Palpatine. There's very possibly that we're looking in at cloning, force clones, etc. It's going to have a wider cinematic impact. Yeah. And I think this is this is Disney's being clever. It's like it's bringing these things together in a way that they weren't woven in together before in the past. I mean, is it wrong of me to like actually be looking forward to this stuff? Right. Like I think no. It's, you you could be invested in it. Yeah. Because like for me, like some of like my favorite characters from like the Marvel cinematic universe didn't actually get a lot of like, and they got screen time, but they weren't like main characters in the movie. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the biggest thing, like from phase four that like I'm looking forward to is even though you're probably going to hate this, Ali, it's a uh, um, Falcon and winter soldier. Right. Okay. Someone, someone turn off his mic. <laughs> Look, man, I'm sorry. It's not because of like the the characters. It's more because of Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie. Like I like their their chemistry together, right? Like yeah, yeah. you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie's cool. I've liked them even back when he played Papa Doc in Eight Mile. You know, so like oh shit, oh, shit. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Holy crap. yeah, man, Clarence. I completely forgot about that. Clarence had real nice parents, you know. Um, but like I'm looking forward to that. And they're bringing, um, like, uh, 
Kurt Russell and Carrie uh, and Goldie Hawn's uh, son in in it too. Wyatt Russell, he's going to be in the new um, Falcon and Cap. Uh, sorry, Falcon and Winter Soldier uh, TV show. It's coming out in August 2020. Should, should be six episodes. They have a hundred and fifty million dollar budget for this, by the way, which is insane. Um, they're bringing in uh, the freaking Zemo guy, so he's going to play a role in it. And then they're they have this guy named John Walker who was mm. American Patriot. I don't really know much about him from the comic books, but I guess like he was like what the Americans made in the seventies uh, mm. in response to Captain America for when they were going to war with like when they were going to Vietnam. Um, they're trying to colonize Vietnam as we put it earlier, but like, I'm really looking forward to it because I want to see more of Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan. And if this is giving me a platform to see like these characters that like I enjoyed from like, Civil War and Endgame that didn't get a lot of screen time in those movies, like I'm all for it. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'm particularly invested in anything Phase Four to be honest with you. Like I'll watch Thor: Love and Thunder, but yeah, it's not nearly. I don't think it has nearly as much uh, in terms. Then again, though, it's like I, the, I think the first three phases they really kind of took their a lot of their big hitters just to yeah. kind of push them forward, right? And now it's like, I think with, uh, you know, we talked about with the success of Guardians of the Galaxy kind of showing that they could really yeah. put in the obscurity there yeah. and like try to, and now for them, I think it's it's them kind of being like, okay, well, we already had the established heroes. Yeah. Um, now we need to kind of, we're, we want to build the rest of the Marvel Universe to get to that point yeah. where it's like, yeah, they don't know, you know, they may not really know who um, Shang-Chi is, right? But hopefully, you know, like we don't need we don't need to put Thor in front of there in order for a thing like Shang-Chi or the Eternals or whatever else to be to be popular, you know. And, I'm, you know, I'm I'm kind of excited about that. It's interesting because I'm actually looking at the list right now and like they're really pushing the TV series concept a lot more this time around. And I think obviously it has to do with Disney Plus, right, because it makes perfect sense. They can literally control everything. Yeah. the Loki thing is supposed to tie in with the Doctor Strange uh, yeah. multiverse of madness also. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't know how much they're going to be able to really, like, link them to the point where you have to watch both. Yeah. Because, there's, it, it, you know, sometimes just, you know, it, it, I don't think it would be very smart for them to make it so you were required to because I think a lot of people, it would piss people off, even if they were going to watch both anyway. Yeah, but you can do it better than you can previous because now everything is streaming. So oh, certainly, yeah. If certainly. a movie eventually comes, if you know that that movie is eventually going to come out on Disney+, Plus, right? Yeah. Then you know you can flip between what you're stream- streaming so that you can, oh, I've watched, I'm going to follow up by watching this other thing. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's a, at the end of the day. What is the end goal? Is to just keep you streaming. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting too because I thought about it the other day. I'm like, you could literally watch. Think about it like this: you literally go when you're at your house watching Disney, like Disney created content, to leaving your house to go to the theater to watch even more Disney created content. Yeah. Like yeah. it's like, and so it's almost like the media, almost all the media you consume, could potentially be all from one single exactly. source. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's where I'm like. Mm, and as much as uh, you know, I enjoy Marvel. You have to acknowledge that it is not the entertainment that is pushing the boundaries. Yeah, it's not radically transforming the way that we're thinking about the world. It's not somehow you know helping us to think deeply about it. It's not giving us the emotional catharsis that we need. It's pure yeah. escapism, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, the, you don't have to be watching. You know fucking dissertations every time you watch a movie. Yes. Right? 
But it is alarming in which most of our entertainment is now going to be controlled by this massive kind of force. Yeah, it's true. The force I mean, of so- Marvel or just streaming? No, the force of Disney. Yeah. Disney is like the fucking center of gravity and it's pulling everything into it. Yeah, yeah. Well, Diz, you're looking forward to... Uh, you said you, you were looking forward to Falcon Winter Soldier the most. Yeah. Is it the one? Ali, you're just... I mean, you're looking forward to Thor Love and Thunder the most? I mean, like, I'll watch it, but I'm not... Yeah. Again, I think Infinity War and Endgame all kind of... It gave me the, the, the end I needed. Oh, you're too old now. I like Marvel. I'll watch it, but like I don't think you're gonna see me waiting in any lines for for. Yeah, I don't. The I don't. I think the passion to watch these things isn't quite the same yeah. anymore. Like I'm actually. I wanna. I'm excited to see the moon. The uh, Moon Knight, because they're doing a series on that. He's just one of my favorite creators, or one of the favorite creations of Marvel. You know, like one of the. You know, so I'm really excited to see how they deal with him because technically, like Moon Knight stuff isn't exactly, you know, like. Uh, isn't exactly you know like kid friendly I guess, so I'd like to see what they what they do with that, and I'm wondering how they're going to approach that whole thing. Um, but yeah, and then also you know I you know and, and it's it's kind of it, it's I know it sounds a little weird, but like I'm I'm interested to see how representation works in a film like Shang Chi, yeah, and the Legend of the Ten Rings, right? Like yeah, you know, and then you know it, it'd be nice to actually have a real Mandarin who is. <laughs> Who isn't uh, Ben Kingsley? As much as I like that little twist, it would yeah. be nice to see a real Mandarin. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the least one, I, you know, I'm really not looking forward to the Black Widow movie where she uh, uh, yellow faces and then protects a pedophile. Not a fan yeah, of that. I'm, you know, I'll be honest. I'm not. <laughs> of all the, wait, uh, no, this that's is, actually this... Scarlett Johansson. That's not Black Widow. Sorry. I'll be honest. Like <laughs> of all of all of uh, like the Marvel stuff that's coming out, I think Black Widow is the one I'm least looking forward to. Yeah, and before anyone jumps up and's like, ah, oh, see, you're a sexist. Like, oh, no, I love. I thought Birds of Prey was interesting, and like, like yeah. I'm all on board for it's 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 the Black Widow character is the yeah. least interesting for me, and Scarlett Johansson. I know, oh, yeah. I know it's a, uh, I know she's everyone's favorite. But is honestly, she still though? Really? Like, I'm I'm tired of of ScarJo. I'm tired. Yeah, you I don't know. know. I I feel like she's uh she's lost a lot of her luster. Mostly, I'm just because waiting of for the day stuff. where she signs up to be Mahatma Gandhi or some shit. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, she's gonna play Malala. I can't. I can't. Oh my god! Fuck you! Dudes. Don't even put that in the universe. Because <laughs> I know she'll do it. So put it out there. You know, it's like. So there's a part of it is like this is the least one I'm I'm looking forward to. All I can say now though is that it is fascinating to watch the avatar of Disney transform from Mickey Mouse into Cthulhu, because I do feel like in some regards we're entering into this age where like the old gods are gonna be Disney. Oh yeah, it's like the slumbering deities that control everything. It's the void that sucks us all in, and y'all are just willingly going going towards the light. That's true. Goofy done fucked you all up. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna be uh, hit squads with uh, the the mouse. The mouse is gonna send out hits. Like this podcast when we post it, someone's gonna show up and break Diz's kneecaps. Well, I'm the one like <laughs> saying good things about him. It's you. <laughs> yeah, but that's that. They're gonna get you. They're like you weren't too. You weren't as zealous of a defender. I would yeah, protect. Like, you know, we don't know. It's all like, you, you gotta so- protect you the sounded, mouse. You didn't sound very real, so we gotta. You did, we gotta yeah, you didn't message. sound like you were suicidal. You know, I must protect the mouse. Self-sacrifice yourself for the mouse. All right. Well, I'm I'm clearly in a negative mood. <laughs> yeah, really. But 
but I will say that uh, I've been thriving the past few weeks, uh, thanks to the coronavirus. Because <laughs> people aren't showing up places? <laughs> I'm telling you, uh, the number of times I've used it to cancel events and hangouts and stuff, it's like... Yeah. You're just, like, I've, been, uh, I've really been preparing for this my entire life. Yeah. I have piles of books I could read. I've got... Uh, plenty of food and water and to- and toilet clearly toilet paper uh-huh. to last me several months. I mean, let's do this. Yeah, uh, you know, you're like uh, you're like Bill Murray from Zombieland. Yeah, I'm like you this know, was. Like... I've been preparing for this my entire life. I'm gonna live a full life, and now I have an excuse to cancel on people. Like, okay, the only reason I show up to any type of social function is out of guilt that I made those plans. Oh uh, yeah. Like, oh, I shouldn't be a jackass. All right, it's a couple hours. I'll go now. I've been given free reign to cancel. Fuck yeah. It's like, hey, Ali, do you want to come to my wedding? No, I'm sorry. Uh, the coronavirus is a real thing. <laughs> it's like, so just a heads up for anyone planning a wedding. Don't do it in the next few months if you want me to go. You know? Because I won't. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you would have found another excuse anyway. You just I'm just have... saying, but now I have a real excuse. Yeah, you have like a boilerplate excuse now. Like a mean. genuine excuse. So, it is what it is. Uh, I look forward to coronavirus wiping out humanity. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then I'll be king of the ashes. So on that note, we're going to end the podcast. Diz, why don't you take us out? Yes, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash currently nerdy, Twitter at currently nerdy, Instagram at currently nerdy, Tumblr, currently nerdy.tumblr.com, YouTube, youtube.com slash currently nerdy. And you can listen to us on all your favorite podcast venues Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes podcast app. Make sure you subscribe to us. You've given us a five-star rating and share our podcast to your friends, family members, loved ones, mortal enemies, whoever. If you see some random person on the street and you're listening to the Currently Nerdy Podcast, go over and be like, hey, listen to this damn podcast. Make them subscribe on their phone. Um, uh, if you want to hit us up individually, you can. V, how can I get a hold of you? Find me on Twitter and Instagram at VTran214. That's VY. T-R-A-R-214, my website, thesandwichslayer.com. Elite. You can catch me on Instagram and Twitter at A-A-O-L-O-M-I or on our sister podcast, Head on History, or on my website, aliolomi.com. Diz. You can find me everywhere at Dizbulla. I'm back on Twitter, my friends. The curse of Nick Bosa has been lifted. Until Weiss gets you banned. Yeah, fucking assholes. Um, but yes, and also on our brother podcast, Currently Nerdy Sports, soundcloud.com slash currently nerdy. Season one is done. Season two should be coming out in a few months. So check it out, soundcloud.com slash currently nerdy. And then we're going to put it on iTunes soon. For everyone here at Currently Nerdy, thank you for tuning in. And remember, stay smart, sexy nerds. All hail the Currently Nerdy Empire. Wash your hands, don't be racist. <laughs>